When, when we were little, um, many of us, I, I'm sure if not most of us, had, many of us had parents that tucked us in every night uh, and would pray with us or, or encourage us to pray before we went to bed so that we'd get a good night's rest. And of course, I, I remember that I, as a little, little kid. I, rem- I still remember the prayer, you know. I'm not sure theologically now how great it, but, but it, it was kind of scary when you think about it. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, <gasps> what? I pray the Lord my soul to take. But, but what if I still want it? No. I, I, I worried a little bit about it when I started thinking about it. But I, but I do remember that idea of praying for God's protection and giving me a good night's sleep. And my mom would always, when she was leaving the room, my mom would always finish off with sweet dreams. <laughs> yeah. Well, for the most part, that's what I'd have. I'd, you know, kid dreams, you know, playing, having fun, all those kind of things. But sometimes I would wake up in the middle of the night in a panic because of a bad dream, a nightmare, being chased by monsters, falling off the cliff, World War III breaking out. I had a vivid imagination. I was a big dreamer. This series, Radical Transformation, is about dreams, but not the sleeping variety. It's about more like the kind of dreams that Joel from the Old Testament, the prophet Joel talked about when he predicted that a day would come when the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all of us. And he said young men would see visions, daughters would prophesy, and this part I like, old men will dream dreams. If you're young and you're hearing this, you probably you get excited at that prospect. And if you're older, you probably have learned that dreams don't always come true. And so you're, or we, are a little bit more reserved about them. You, you might even hold back your excitement. And that's why our series talks about overcoming some of those barriers that hold us back. It, it also comes with a caution. Embracing a dream can become a nightmare <laughs> if safeguards haven't been put in place. So, so far in the series, we've talked about, uh, two weeks ago we talked about Gideon, uh, studied him, one of the judges, and how his past and who he, what he thought about himself kind of blocked him from seeing what God actually had in mind for him. When you're told that you're a nobody, it's hard to believe that you're going to be a mighty warrior. That's what God's angel told him, though. And we know what he, how he turned out. But we also looked in that, that uh, two weeks ago, we looked and talked about some of those false labels in our own past and how we can see ourselves sometimes in that, with a contrast between the way we see ourselves and how God sees us. Last week, we learned from the life of David, King David, and his experiences while he was waiting for Samuel's prophecy to be fulfilled. It was actually, it was years before he became Israel's king. But he was able to see evidence that God was continually involved in his life by the way he was, he, he was kept safe, by the way he was rescued. And we need to learn that lesson too. We need to see and recognize that God is actively involved in our lives because that helps us to stay the course 
for God's plan and God's dream for us. And to stay the course is God's dream for us. Uh, but if you're going to do that, the first thing you, have, you, you need to know is you need to know what the dream is. When I was in my last year of high school, I was asked by one of the teachers about my life goals. What, what did I want? What did I hope to do? I, I, didn't, I didn't have a very long list, got to say. At 17, I didn't have a very long list. The main points on my list were A, to make money, a whole bunch of it, and B, to live in a lifestyle that I could really enjoy. That was it. Nothing on, the li- nothing on the list about kids, nothing on the list about career choices, relationships. It was all about me having fun. And that, yeah, that's pretty shallow. But notice something else that wasn't on the list. Well, it was a short list, pretty much everything, but something else not on the list, God. I had no awareness of God, not at all. God wasn't even uh, mentioned. Neither was pastoring churches later in my life. Neither was um, anything like that. God's goals and God's will and God's plan weren't on that list. I didn't know him. I didn't know until much later that he had a plan for my life. What is on your list? Psalm 37, we mentioned earlier in the prayer, uh, is a psalm of David, describes a life that is quite different to the one I envisioned. In, in context, here was, here's what he says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. And then a couple of sentences later, it says, The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. I was young. David's writing this later in life. I was young and now I am old. Yet, I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be a blessing. Turn from evil and do good. Then you will dwell in the land forever. Wow. So I have learned this truth, and it's from verse 4 here. When I delight myself in the Lord, he gives me the desires of my heart, because he gives me a new perspective on my life and my heart desires become, are his heart desires. My goals and my desires become the ones that he has and his goals have become my goals. Having goals that honor God for our future, whether, whether, whether you're just starting the race or whether you're round in the corner on the last lap, Having God-honoring goals is vital for a healthy spiritual life. We're going to read today's scripture. It's from the book of Philippians. 
then we want to talk just a little bit about how we can establish uh, some spiritually healthy goals and, and plans. So let's turn to Philippians chapter, uh, Paul, it's chapter 2 that we're going to be in. You can look on the screen, or if you have your own Bible translation, look in your own Bible and follow along. Paul most likely wrote this, there's a little bit of controversy, but, but most scholars figure he wrote it from Rome around A.D. 62. And probably if he was in Rome at that time, he was in what's called the Mamertine prison, which was, well, it was a hellhole, what it was. But that's where he's writing from. Uh, let's begin at chapter 2, verse 1. And we're just going to read the, the whole thing all at once here. If, oh no, sorry, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Oh, that's, are you ready? <laughs> Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Yeah, wow. <laughs> I think I felt a few ouches in there thinking about myself. Verses 12 and verse 13 are the, uh, pretty much the focus that we're, we're taking today. Um, as you have always obeyed, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. One of the most common questions pastors, I think, get asked is, what is the will of God? <laughs> how do I know it? How, how do I do it? Why should I do it? It's important for us to do two things. 
both to know the will of God, but also to do the will of God. To will and to act. And Paul didn't just write this to, to the church at Philippi. He wrote in his letter to the, to the people in Ephesus, he wrote it, he said it in a slightly different way. He said, be care- very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. If we're going to accomplish his will and purpose in our lives, we really need to make sure that we're establishing uh, the plan that God has for us, God-given goals for our future. I want to start with an example before we get to that, uh, that exercise of what can happen when your goals conflict with God's plans. And it's a really negative example. It's one that we can write off because we think nobody's as negative as this. It's Judas. He was one of the original 12 disciples. Uh, he was a smart guy. He, he, became the, he actually became the treasurer. He held the money bag for the, for the group. He was the treasurer. He was, and that tells me he was trusted at that point. But he, like the others, was following Jesus because he was looking and seeking, searching for the Messiah. And he was following Jesus because he believed that Jesus was the one that everyone had been waiting for. But as time went on, it wasn't going the way that Judas thought it was going to go. He wanted, he wanted a conquering hero. He wanted a, an army commander who would ride in with the troops and the, the armies of Israel and the armies of the Lord and, and, and kick the Romans out and then reign Israel. And he became disillusioned with that and dissatisfied because it kept looking more and more with what Jesus said and what he did that Jesus was heading straight for a Roman cross. And he was also jeopardizing the lives of his followers too. So at the beginning of it, he's on board. Yeah, let's go, Lord. And now he's, he's conflicted. He must, he must have been torn because he, he liked Jesus as a person, but, it, but what he wanted was Jesus the monarch, Jesus the king. He didn't want Jesus the martyr. And what he wanted overrode what Jesus was saying. He couldn't put his own goals aside and probably and became increasingly bitter. And Satan used that. He used that bitterness and that disappointment for his own purposes. By the way, things happen to us in life and we can be bitter too and disappointed. We have to be guard, guard ourselves very much to make sure that we don't let that bitterness get used by the enemy. But Satan did with him, and so Judas betrayed his friend and teacher. Now, none of us would 
can probably even comprehend betraying Jesus like that. But our goals can conflict with what God wants. And our desires can get in his way. So we need to evaluate them to see if they are consistent with what Jesus wants for us. How do we do that? I've made it into an acronym. I don't do acronyms very often, but goals is one of them. So this is the acronym. I'm going to use that word to help us uh, do it like a check-in on our, on our hopes and our dreams and what we think God wants us to do. The first G is simply to get God's input. Uh, sometimes, James even wrote, he said, sometimes we don't get because we don't ask. But we need to be seeking God first if we want to know God's plan, don't we? Not going madly off in all directions and then seeing if what we did is ratified by God. Yep. No. No, that's the wrong way. Uh, that's actually uh, getting, seeking that input. Is, 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 that's what we read in 5.17. Don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Uh, don't madly go off in any and all directions. We need to understand what it is. The writer of uh, the book of Hebrews, we don't actually know, we have a suspicion of who it might have been, but the writer of Hebrews quotes Jesus as saying in a prayer, I have come to do your will, my God. That's Hebrews 10.7. Jesus was actually quoting da uh, King David from Psalm 40, which David also wrote. And in Psalm 40, David wrote, I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. How is God's law written within our hearts? By absorbing God's word. You ever, wanna wonder, ever wonder if God's here? Is the word being read? Is the word being written? God's here. That's how we can know where he is present, where his word is being read and observed and taught and learned. What is God's will for you or me? To, well, as we read in the Philippians passage, primarily, he says to, to have the mindset of a servant, even if it means going to a cross. Judas got it right. He knew that's where Jesus was heading, and he suspected strongly that, that, that he was going to tell us, and later Jesus did. He said, if any of you wants to be my disciple, you mu he must take, that person must take up his cross and follow me. If he will not take up his cross and follow me, he cannot be my disciple. Judas got it right, but he couldn't accept that. But I think we tend to be pretty hard on Judas. Uh, I wouldn't be too hard on it because the cross was a terrifying prospect. But go to God first. Ask God to, to reveal to you his desires for you, for your life. Even if it means laying down your own desires at the foot of a cross. That's the first one. The second one is the O. And that is, if you're going to actually ask for these things, you need to own them. You need to own them. <laughs> you make them your goals 
by first of all accepting, receiving them, but also by believing them and accepting them and, and, and going on from that point as true for you. Fix them in your mind. Uh, some of them might be general goals, like, okay, God wants me to live a holy life. Okay, yeah, I want to make that one of my goals too, Lord. Uh, Jesus wants me to read this word daily. Listen to this word. If, you, if you're not a great reader, find, a, find an audio Bible, but let the word of God get in there. I sense the Lord wants me to help somebody this week. Okay, I'm going to receive that and then I'm going to go and start looking. It might help to actually write some of them down if you have a specific sense of what you think God is saying to you. Write it down and put it somewhere that you're going to see often. Like, uh, I know a lot of folks, like my daughter, <laughs> I think my daughters, my daughter-in-law, I call them my daughters, my daughter and my daughter-in-law, they're always putting sticky notes on mirrors. They're always right. There's sticky notes everywhere they go with scripture or little things about God on them. Um, that's not a bad idea. Uh, I have one actually, uh, that, and it's, it's there as much as a reminder to me as it is to anybody. But if you, uh, if anybody's had an email from me, after my signature at the bottom, I have a couple of lines from Micah as a sort of a, a summary of Micah 6, verses 6 to 8 from the Old Testament. It says this, act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. I, I aspire to that. Do I always get there? <sighs> well, not always, but that's what I want to be. That's one of God's goals for me. And so it helps me when I write them down and I see them and I'm going to keep going back to them. It helps me to own them and understand that that is God's will. So that's the second. That, that's the, you you got to take ownership. And the third thing, which is kind of like, thank you, Captain Obvious statement, is to apply them. Develop a strategy for meeting them. Begin putting them into action. Start living what, do you, what you want to become. I, I think about this when I think about um, God's love, because God's love, the word is agape. And, and God's love is love expressed through acting. It's not an emotion. So he says, you want to become a, lack, a loving, you want to ex express God's love to people, you act, you do it. According to James, James said we aren't supposed to just, uh, near, I think it was the end of chapter one in James, he says we're to not to just hear the word, he said, we're supposed to do what it actually says. Yet, yeah, James 1, 23 to 25. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Yeah. But... Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, that's the acting, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. 
And Jesus didn't take, maybe Paul's a little bit long-winded. He's, he's verbose. Sometimes he uses a lot of words to say something. Jesus summed it up in a shorter version uh, in John 13. He said, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Got it. Thank you, Lord. Okay, got that. So ask God to empower you to do what he wants you to do. Uh, fourth, the L is to live them out. I, there's a bit of overlap, maybe a little similarity, I think, between uh, three and four. Um, but living them out, incorporate them into your life. Now, over time, they will become your default setting. Uh, I know studies have shown, because I've, I've, I've seen a couple of them, that said to break a bad habit or to begin to, to, uh, to really solidify a new habit takes about 21 days, takes about three weeks every day. And by the time you've done it for that many times, it will be your new habit. Over time, what God wants you to do and be and who you are are going to be inseparable. That's the plan. Uh, and how can I say that? Because that's what Paul says in, in uh, verse 13 of chapter 2. For it is God who works in you to will and to act. And if God's will is for you to help others, then start helping others. Even if at first you're really uncomfortable or you feel nervous doing it, don't let that stop you. It'll become more natural and it'll eventually become second nature if it's God's will for you. You'll be blessed. The last one, the S, is kind of like, you know, you see on a, um, it's to seek God's will again, to, it, to seek God's input again. I was thinking about what you see on shampoo bottles. It always says, lather, rinse, repeat. Yeah, well, that's, that, I didn't want to put la that L because then it would, it would have said, go. But, uh, seek God's input again. There, there's so much to experience in Christ. We're never going to learn it all. We're never going to learn this all here on this life, in this life. This upward call of God is a lifetime pursuit for us. Later, a chapter later than this morning's scripture, Paul wrote this. He said, reflecting on his own life, not at the end of his life as he's writing, not that I've already attained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I'm not there yet, but I keep working toward that day. And that's for each of us. Yeah. Anybody there yet? <laughs> no, you can't be. You're, you're breathing. You're not there yet. But now is the time to learn how to set and develop godly plans. So we begin with God's input. We own the goals. We apply them to our lives. We live them out. And then we keep checking back Checking in to see if the gold needs adjusting in any way. God reserves the right to change our direction at any time. That's a hard one for some of us, especially when we get so locked into what we think is what God wanted for our lives. And we're like laser pointed in that direction. And then God changes it. What do we do when that happens? Okay, Lord, 
Show me how to adjust. What now? Two years ago, the world experienced a, a, a seismic shift uh, when we ended up all locked down under the, uh, the health orders to try to keep COVID-19 from overwhelming our systems. For a while, this is, you recognize this street, I hope. This is Montrose Avenue. For a while, it didn't look like this. At the beginning, two years ago, you could throw a rock down that street and not hit a car. Day or night. I'm not suggesting you do. <laughs> just, just, just a reminder of how empty those streets were. It was like you could hear crickets. It was so quiet. Life, life shifted and life changed. But not everything was negative. Yeah, consumers weren't consuming as much for a while. Bars were closed. People were at home with their families, though. But then, signs started showing up in our neighbor's windows. We, we live in a complex with 72 townhouses. Come in the gates. If you turn left, you'd go to our place. You turn right. Big sign right across the front window. Do you need anything? Call me. And their phone number on it. Do you need... Paper towels. Do you need any other kind of paper? <laughs> Call me. Do you need somebody to get groceries for you? God's people started stepping up. And not just God's people, but God's people certainly did. And our community, that, was not, that wasn't just a, um, an isolated incident. Our community started caring more for each other. One of our guys here, uh, Isaac, called me up and he said, if anybody needs their sidewalk shoveled, I'm, I'm your guy. If anybody needs something delivered, call me, let me know. Yeah. And for a while we were less concerned with our individual lives and our individual rights, and we were more concerned with our community and the greater good. And that echoes what Paul wrote here in Philippians 2, to look not only to our own interests, but also the interest of others. Our goal as followers of Jesus is to become more and more Christ-like in our lives and to align our life goals with the goals that God has for us. So what's on your list? For, for most of us, nothing on our goal list, our vision for our lives, nothing, I hope, is likely to be sinful or, or to violate God's moral law. But our lists can't just be all about ourselves. Setting life's goals and planning are good things, but don't leave God out of the equation. Because knowing God and doing God's will is the most important thing. I do like the Westminster Confession of Faith, by the way. They said it a little bit more 
descriptively, they said, the chief aim of man, meaning humanity, is to know God and enjoy him forever. Judas and, and a lot of other people sat and listened to Jesus talk when he plainly said, and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And Judas and many others then deliberately chose to ignore those words. Godly goals are God's dreams for our lives. Our challenge this week is to take some time and review what those things are. Review them. Maybe you can celebrate that you are, have done and you feel you have done exactly what God wanted you to. Praise God. But make sure that what's on our list is what God wants from us. And let's make sure our heart's desire and God's plans for us are in sync. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Let's pray. Yeah, what's on my list, Lord? I'm honest, sometimes what's on my list is more what's in front of my nose. And I uh, lose sight and lose track. I thank you, Lord, that you have called me to this. I thank you, Lord. You are the one I want to call the shots. You are the one, Lord. So, thank you. Lord, I pray that we would hear your voice that we would be listening and seeking your will, that we would be bringing ourselves and our lives in line with it. In your name, Jesus, we pray and ask these things. Amen.
Oh, oh, oh. 